This is the message from Connection Community Church on this Palm Sunday, April 13th, 2014. Amazing, amazing response. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for this day. It's a day where it kind of feels like a roller coaster day, up and down. God, I would pray that you would um, settle all of us in, that you would remove the distractions of whatever comes after this worship service and help us really focus on, on you and your message for each one of us. It's no accident that anyone is here today. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, open our hearts to receive. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had one of those weeks? Um, one of those weeks that starts with so much promise, so much possibility, so much that's just positive and good. And then... I don't know what happens, but the week starts to kind of spiral downhill, and what promised to be such an absolutely awesome seven days turns out to be an absolutely awful week. Can I get an amen? amen. Good. Well, that's the kind of week that Jesus had, starting with today. It's a day in the church that we call Palm Sunday. Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem when they came upon a town called Bethphage. It's in the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead and told them when they entered that they would find a colt that had never been ridden and to bring that colt to him. Jesus instructed them to say when people said, well, what are you doing? You can't take my colt, that their response would be, the Lord needs it. We read this in Mark chapter 11, as well as some other of the Gospels. We read this, and this, the colt, Jesus coming in on a colt, was prophesied. It was foretold hundreds of years before by the prophet Zechariah, that Jesus would come riding in on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so things unfolded just as Jesus had said. When the disciples uh, went and took the donkey and they were asked what they were doing, they responded as Jesus had told them that the, the Lord had need of it and the people let him take it. Wow. And uh, so they brought the colt, the donkey, to Jesus and, and then they threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it. And, and they started to go into town, and, and there was a crowd of people there, and, and they spread their cloaks on the very street, and they cut palm branches down from the trees, and we can just imagine them waving them, and Scripture tells us that they laid them out on the road. And they shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Can you say Hosanna? Hosanna. Hosanna. Once more. Hosanna. Hosanna. How about Hosanna in the highest? 
Hosanna in the, in the highest. highest. Amen. And Can amen. you just imagine that kind of reception? I mean, what an amazing response. People going crazy in the streets. Kind of like Carlton, what he was doing up <coughs> here. People going crazy. Even more than Carlton. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Bigger. Laying down their cloaks, laying down their palms. You know, today we would, you know, wave flags. That was the equivalent. Hosanna in the highest. It would be kind of like, you know, a rock star or a... Um, a sports guy or gal or a movie star coming into town. You know, all the hype, the paparazzi. What a celebration, this impromptu celebration because the king, a king was coming, riding on a donkey. Remember, he was doing that to fulfill the prophecy that had been foretold hundreds of years before. Mm, what an experience. Have you ever had one of those, one of those, like mountaintop experiences, one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences, one of those uh, experiences where you go, remember when? You ever had one of those? They're awesome, aren't they? Absolutely incredible. They're so cool when they happen. But here's the thing about those mountaintop experiences. They never last. They never last. Sooner or later, at least my experience has been, it's usually sooner <laughs> We come back to earth, we get back to reality, we get back to the day-to-day, -day, right? And, and, and the mountaintop is great, but we spend much, much, much more of our time out there on the plains and then even in the valleys of life. Yeah. And so it was for Jesus. Following this great reception, this incredible parade and celebration, Jesus and his disciples continued on. They were on their way to Jerusalem. As Jesus entered the temple, once he got to Jerusalem, he was confronted with something that was so disturbing. What he saw was that there were people there for the Passover. The Passover was an annual celebration from the Jews, and so it was a crowded place. People came from all over. I mean, it wouldn't just be like Middletown, uh, the MOT area, but it would be, you know, Newark and Wilmington and Seaford and all those places in between and all the places in Maryland. They're all coming because it's the Passover time. Now, in the Passover, you have to bring a sacrifice, probably because they were coming from such a long distance. In the temple, you could purchase a sacrifice. In this case, there were sacrificial doves. And what Jesus saw, why he was so disturbed, is because they had kind of hyped up the price of the sacrifices that people could purchase. I mean, that's just wrong. And the people who were coming with foreign currency, the exchange rate, they also put a surcharge on. And so this angered Jesus because this was a holy time and a holy place. And this is one of the times you might have heard when Jesus got so angry, he overturned the tables. This is one of those times. He like turned all the tables over in the temple so that it would be impossible to do business. We read in Mark 11, verse 17, Jesus says this, is it not written my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, 
but you have made it a den of robbers. And then the very next line of scripture tells us, tells us everything in terms of why the rest of the week went the way it did for Jesus. Here's what we read in Mark eleven eighteen: The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this, heard what was going on with Jesus, and they began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. The crowd. Those people who welcomed Jesus. Jesus, like he was a hero. They were, what? Amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. That's why he drew such great crowds. That's why people flocked wherever he was. We read that all through the life of Jesus, where people just, you know, gather and flock him, and he's had to go out in a boat and get some time away. They did that. They were flocking him, and they were responded to his teaching with amazement. Now, this caused a lot of fear for religious leaders. Why would that be? Well, it's because the religious leaders feared his presence. They feared Jesus' power. Remember, they wanted to be the ones in power. And here you have this man who seems to be drawing the crowd. And so they feared the power. They feared the pull that he had on the people. They feared the con that they were losing control. They wouldn't be able to have uh, influence, that it was Jesus. And so they began to figure out how to kill him. That's pretty drastic, wouldn't you say? They tried to plot. The chief priests, I mean, these are the holy people and the teachers, the religious leaders, plotted to kill him, the very one who had ridden into town on a donkey, the very one who got the hero's welcome. The week sure did start out one way with shouts of Hosanna, blessed are you who come. Blessed are you, Hosanna in the highest. And by just a few days later, toward the end of the week, the words changed. They changed to crucify. Crucify crucify. During the final week of Jesus's life, he does some of the most memorable teaching. When you read in the Bible, he teaches to his disciples, to his followers, to the crowds, to the religious leaders. And with each teaching, it just seems to escalate and escalate and escalate. The religious leaders just getting more and more uncomfortable with what is going on, more and more fearful, more and more intent on arresting him and putting him to death. Near the end of the week, Jesus had his last supper with the disciples. They, they shared the Passover meal together, a, a yearly commemoration of uh, the Jews shared uh, where they remembered being freed from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt many years before. It was, it was during this Passover meal that Jesus took on the role of a servant, usually reserved for a house servant. 
and he proceeded to wash the feet of his disciples. And when he did this, he shared with them that he came to serve, not be served, and shared with them, as he would share with us, that we are to do the same, serve, not be served. It was during this meal that Jesus said that one of his disciples, one of the twelve, would betray him. Now Judas was one of the twelve, and Judas had already arranged with the priests that he would hand him over, would hand Jesus over to them for just 30 pieces of silver. Isn't it amazing what someone will do for money? Jesus used the bread and the wine from the Passover meal as a, as a means to offer a remembrance to the, uh, the disciples there for after he would no longer physically be with them. He, he told them the bread was his body and the wine was his blood and that when they drank and ate the wine and the bread to remember him. And we still do this today, first Sunday of each month when we share in the Holy Communion, the Last Supper. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary? It was during this meal that Peter, one of the disciples, Peter assured Jesus that he would never betray him. I won't do that. I won't turn my back on you. And Jesus pointed out that Peter would, in fact, deny ever knowing him. Not once, not twice, but three times. Three times before the rooster crowed. Isn't it amazing what fear will do in a person? After the meal, Jesus went with the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane found on the Mount of Olives. He went there to pray. During that prayer, he, his human side came out as he asked God if there was some other way for this to take place. But then he realized, as we all need to, that God's will be done. God's will be done. Three times he went off to be by himself to pray, and each time he returned only to find his disciples fast asleep. Isn't it amazing how the spirit might be willing, but so often the flesh is weak? Judas brought a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent by the religious leaders. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Can you imagine? He betrayed his Lord with a kiss. And they seized him and they arrested him. They took him to the Jewish Supreme Court. It's called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin found him guilty of blasphemy. Blasphemy is claiming to be God. Blasphemy was punishable by death. They spit in his face. They struck him with their fists and their clubs. They slapped him. And in the midst of all this, Peter denied ever knowing him, just as Jesus said he would. 
And then brought Jesus before Pilate, the governor. As was custom during the Passover feast, the governor would release a prisoner chosen by the people. Pilate gave him the choice of Jesus or a guy named Barabbas who was in jail for murder uh, that happened during a, re a political revolt. And uh, the religious leaders persuaded the crowd to choose Barabbas, which they did. And then when Pilate asked what he should do with Jesus, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Symbolically washing his hands, Pilate uh, declared that he was innocent of Jesus' blood, released Barabbas, had Jesus whipped, and turned him over to the soldiers to be crucified. And the soldiers mocked him, spit on him, stripped him, and whipped him. Jesus was forced to carry his own cross after being beaten nearly to death. And then he was hung on the cross to die. Crucifixion. It is one of the cruelest means of death ever created by humankind. What happens in crucifixion is that the people, the person's nailed to a cross and they're just left hanging there for hours. And it isn't the blood that flows out that kills them, but it is suffocation because they're not able to hold themselves up anymore, their body. I mean, can you imagine how hard it is to hold yourself up and you just can't breathe anymore? Six hours after Jesus was hung on the cross, he took his last breath. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Jewish council, asked Pilate if he could take the body, was granted permission, wrapped the body of Jesus in linen, and placed it in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. He rolled a large stone against the entrance to the tomb, as Jesus' mother, Mary, and another woman named Mary, Mary Magdalene, a follower of Jesus, as the two Marys looked on. Isn't it amazing what a difference a week can make? Or maybe a few days can make? At the beginning of the week, the crowd is saying, Hosanna, you're my king, laying down their cloves, waving their palms. It's a big celebration. Isn't it amazing how bad the week could end? Isn't it amazing that Jesus allowed himself to be hung on the cross for each one of us. Isn't that amazing? So as we close today, we're going to have some quiet time, some, uh, some time for prayer and reflection, some time to consider, for you to consider your relationship with Jesus Christ. During this time, we ask you to come forward and bring your palm with you. And we're going to have you um, nail the palm. We have some nails here and some hammers. We're going to have you nail the palm to the cross. And there's two reasons for that. 
first reason is, you know, we, in effect, wave palm branches and celebrate Jesus and what he does for us. Amen? Amen. 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 Yet while we do that, we also nail him to the cross through our words, our thoughts, and our actions all too often. Amen that too. Amen? Second reason we want you to do that is we want you to give some thought to what it is that's separating you from God in your life, the, the junk in your life, the sin in your life that's keeping you from realizing fully what God has in store for you. Think of that palm as representing that sin in your life as you nail it to the cross. And when you do, give it to the one who hung on the cross. Leave it. Nail it to the cross and leave it so that you might fully experience what God has in store, so that you might fully realize God's grace. You might fully realize everything that God has intended for you since God first thought of you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, it is amazing what you did for us. That you made a choice. You made a choice to be hung on the cross and to die for us. You wanted to show us the, the depth of your love, a love that's unconditional. I would pray, Lord, that everybody in here, that there's not one single person in here who doesn't feel your love, your wondrous love, your sacrificial love in their lives. And, and then I know better, Lord, because there are so many who feel unlovable. There have been times when I've felt unlovable, Lord, times when I've spit in your face, so to speak, by words or actions or thoughts that are unclean, that aren't right. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And thank you that you gave your life on the cross so that we can know that we know that we know the depth of your love and your forgiveness, that there's nothing. Your word says there's nothing that can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus, neither height nor depth, nor angels nor principalities. There's nothing, Lord, that could cause you to not love us or not forgive us. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you came for us. And so help us in faith. Reflect, pray, and then bring that sin and nail it on the cross and leave it there.
We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.